waving at the camera like the audience can see me. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they can. No sunlight in a Seeds of pain and Does it talk? Does it know how? Does it bottle dust in the Welcome back to Cerebrivore. My name is Jason. I host the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I have two other panelists with me today. I have BJ, who does the Arcane Alienist. How are you doing today, BJ? I'm doing great. Excellent. And I have Joe, who does Hindsightless. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing really good, Jason. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. And today, we're going to talk about campaigns we would like to run. So we're, we're just... You know, there's kind of a little bonus episode to put put it amongst the meteor episodes of the podcast. Last week, you got to hear about sports and RPGs. Today, we're going to talk about campaigns we'd like to run. Next week, who knows what we're going to talk about, but it'll be something. So, who wants to go first? Just to clarify, it's November, so we're talking about role-playing campaigns, not running for office, right? Oh, that's no, that's a good point. Yes, there's a tabletop role playing podcast. Yes, that, that is accurate. I mean, if, if you want to talk about a campaign you want to run for local office, you, you definitely could. Although at that point, yeah, we, we might need to file some paperwork first. Yeah. yeah. But no, no, th- actually, yeah, this is being recorded in November, but this will actually be aired on the 2nd of December. So, okay. Well, BJ, do you want to go first? Um, wow, I've been thinking about this for a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the the thing that struck me, I don't know if this is so much a, a campaign I want to run or if it's a campaign I would like to play in just for a change of pace, but I think I would really enjoy a, a campaign that is not based in science fiction or fantasy. Just a uh, whether it's a, a noir detective investigation or a Western or, or I think, I think just for a change of pace, I, I, I wouldn't mind doing something that was just more or less real world based, you know, um, without getting into any kind of weird fiction or sci-fi horror or anything like that. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, what about spy stuff? Would that count? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Some top secret. Yeah, so it's not, a, I don't really have any a specific concept. It just kind of occurred to me today as I was trying to think about what we would talk about for this episode, that that would be something that may back, might be a little palate cleanser because, you know, it doesn't have to be as high concept or as, um, uh, no, I feel like there's a lot, a lot that, there's an added layer when you're, you're in the kind of realm of speculative fiction, whether it's sci-fi, horror, fantasy, where you've got to manage these, unreal elements of, of whatever's going on and if you're just doing a straight up murder mystery or, or spy or something like that it, it might be a little lend itself to some simpler rules some more straightforward ways of doing things i think the challenge there is you've got to have players who are on board for something like that you know i think i think a western isn't that much different from D really when you think about how most D games go but 
<laughs> but if you want if you want to do like a spy or a detective thing, people got to be in the mood for solving mysteries and looking for clues, and it's, it's a different kind of game than sort of the kicking the you know kicking the door and uh, kill the monsters and take their stuff kind of stuff game. Yeah. <laughs> Blades in the Dark, my, I've been wanting to try Blades in the Dark. That might be an interesting. I know that's more of a heist. It's it's ostensibly it's still like a fantasy setting, but I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. Have you Blades in the Dark? I haven't, no, but it seems cool. Yeah, I have not. Um but no, it's definitely an interesting idea. I mean, I, I actually get to play Boot Hill every now and then. Um with Daniel Norton and then I played with, with, with other folks and, you, you know, I enjoy boot Hill quite a bit and, and think boot Hill's a, a great way to do a palate cleanser but because the tropes are just so like, like you mentioned that, you, you know, that access is there for everybody. It's, it's such a low bar of access because everybody knows basic Western tropes and basic cowboy stuff. And, you know, you don't have to be deep into it to get the basics of it, you, you know, where yeah. if you're trying to run a noir game, it, it you know I've been talking about that during November over my show and some of the games designed for noir games on, on my system Sundays and you, you know they really adjust the mechanics to try to emulate that genre because you have really certain things you're trying to do in that genre. Now if you're just trying to do a regular real world mystery or maybe maybe you do like a CSI game or a cop game you know and and if you did something like that that'd be a little bit lower bar barrier of entry right um, yeah so. I think it just depends what what you're or you could do well. They, so I guess my question for you though, BJ, and and I'm and we'll throw it to Joe too. But my question for you is, I wonder if fantasy though, using fantasy or sci-fi or even horror, it opens up to give you a little more leeway. Where do you worry about like in a real world game? And I honestly haven't had this problem with running like Boot Hill, but do you worry about in a real world game having a higher expectation of players to emulate the real world having a higher expectation of you, you know law and order being correctly administered and and you know whatever the the idea you know the idea of the shenanigans the players can get to you know not having as much leeway that kind of thing you get the you get you, get, you have somebody playing in your game who's an actual software engineer and they're going no that's not how you hack a computer <laughs> shut up man shut up <laughs> But like, yeah, I I would find that like for me playing in like the modern stuff, it's harder because like you got you were just talking about characters thinking more along the lines of Law and Order, Jason, like in consequences and stuff. But a lot of times, especially with like some of the players I play with, they even if they're playing in like a modern game, they'll you know do some crazy stuff, and it's like, well, shit, you know now now what you know now are the cops after you like is that where this game is going to have to go now so that that's one of the problems i have with running in like modern world i feel a little handcuffed by the law sometimes or the fact that you know if it's set in roughly the modern era they're leaving their dna and their fingerprints everywhere they go right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah man yeah they're not going to call they're not going to call in a csi stole $50 from a convenience store, but if you get up the kind of stuff that role-playing game characters tend to get up to, yeah, they're probably going <laughs> to be dusting for prints and reviewing video surveillance footage and everything. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you could do it. I, I don't mean to. Right. I, I'm definitely right. not down on the idea. I think you have a lot of fun with it. And I'd love to, you know, break Top Secret out again and, and run Top Secret again. You know, the original 1980 game or Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes or even James Bond 007. That's a great game. But but I think all those kind of and, and you had the weighted fingerprints and all that stuff back then, too. But all those are kind of firmly set in the 80s. And honestly, I would run them in the 80s. To, right. To be honest, that because it just feels right to me. When, when you talk about Cold War espionage stuff, I mean, it just, you know, it, the 80s feels right, you, you know. But no, I think of doing a pal cleanser, you know, my default would be the Western. But th- there are a lot of other ones you can do out there. I think so, BJ, I know you've run a, a lot of games over the years and, and, and you've kind of alluded to some of them, but you haven't, definitely haven't talked about all of them. Have you had a chance to run many mysteries? Do you have any tips for other GMs that are listening as far as running mysteries? I, I think when I've tried mysteries, of course, I've always ran them in the, in the concept of a D&D or a fantasy game or, or not in kind of a real world setting is, um, and it's probably, probably some of the best advice you get is the idea that they, they led to, the, to gumshoe, which is, you get up in your head, you've created this interesting mystery and you've obscured the facts enough and you, you think, oh, they're going to catch on. And sometimes you can just be, you can throw a cute, it's it's like a slow pitch right over the plate and players just aren't going to see it. And it's not their fault. It's not because they're stupid or they're not paying attention. It's just what you think is clear in your head is clear to you because it's your idea and you came up with it. Or if you're running a pre-written module, you've read through it and you know what's going on behind the scenes. So I think the idea of don't give it away, but just give the clues, you know, it's up to the players to discuss the clues, how relevant it is to make, make interpret the meanings of the clues, but just don't put vital clues behind a die roll where they can fail to not pick it up. I mean, you know, and then also potentially always have, you know, if you get three clues, you can probably figure out the mystery. So there's going to be six clues hidden around the area, just in case you decide not to to go into room A or room B. Otherwise, you've got instead of quantum ogres, you've got quantum clues. Oh crap! That was supposed to be in the library. Now I got to put it in the garage. You know, right? Yeah. The the other thing I know people talked about is doing your your quantum murderer, where because the PCs tend to, you know, a lot of times players will pick up one thing and they'll run with it. Yeah, no matter how much you try to dissuade them, you know, they're convinced that that Joe, the bartender, is the killer, e- even though, you know, you only gave him a funny voice because, you, you you know, you felt like at that moment, but he was a nobody in, yeah. in the scenario. Right. So <laughs> so maybe. And the problem is, if Joe, the bartender doesn't end up being the killer, it might let down the players. Yeah. But if they find out you're doing a quantum murder by making Joe the bad guy, because that's what they you know, so there's that balancing point. And I guess if you decide to do that, to switch it up, just maybe not mention it to your players. Just oh yeah, you got it. Good job. Totally, man. That happened in a not in a mystery, but the, when I, I ran Traveler a few years ago, and the, there's this NPC who's just a noble, and the Traveler, the Traveler setting has nobility, and her whole whole purpose there is to be the quest giver. You know, the person that hires them and gives them missions. And one player had generated a character who was a minor noble who kind of was on the outs with nobility and didn't like nobles. So he's just role-playing his character, you know, correctly, quote-unquote, that he didn't like this person. Well, everybody else just assumes they're not supposed to like this person. And before I know it, I have to go, time out. Why are you guys so paranoid about this 
her this NPC who's only I mean you you've done like three missions and gotten paid. What are you what's the districts, you know? But they were just every little thing, every little quirk, every little, you know, awesome. got, got interpreted through this lens of she's out to get us. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. I love that. Yeah, definitely. So, Joe, do, do you have a dream campaign? It, it's, you know, I got like a million dream campaigns, but one that I've wanted to run for a long time. Um, it's kind of funny that it's one that I wanted to run for a long time because I also talk about how much I hate this thing. Um, not that I hate it, that I'm just tired of it. I want to run like a survival horror game, starting with uh, a fairly infamous OSR module, um, because that module can basically kick off this crazy undead apocalypse. I want to run an undead apocalypse game. That's what I want to run. Well, luckily for you, Free League is coming out with walk. They're going to have a Kickstarter for the I, Walking I, Dead I, I, game. <laughs> it could be out at this time by the time this episode drops, and I could not care any less about that. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it would be fun, man. I, I want to start it off with this particular module, see what happens there, and then everyone will probably die and then start it from like the village down at the bottom and just be like, here's what's going on. What, what do you guys do run uh, and take but, it from there. And right, I think this would be really fun. Is this a fantasy setting though? Is this, is this a, cause you're talking to us. It's a fantasy there. setting. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It'd be a fantasy setting for sure. Like, like you know, it wouldn't or... just be a zombie apocalypse. It would be a zombie apocalypse spurred on by like a crazy dracolich who's got a bunch of vampire like generals and shit mm-hmm. yeah that'd be a fun campaign i i, 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 I think yeah, it would yeah. be and one of these yeah. days i really want to run it um yeah one of these days we'll see because i've been thinking about this for years i have a memory here's one of those weird stupid mandela effect things um I have a distinct memory in my mind of running my friends through this particular module and they don't have it. None of them have it. None of them remember playing it before. And I swear to God, we played it. It's weird. No, I I get that when you say I said things that I don't remember saying. I'm I'm actually surprised there hasn't, there has not been a, Iconic zombie apocalypse D and D module. I mean, there's certainly like Ravenloft and other ones that no, incorporate the undead, but they're just the they're out yeah. there. They're there's one out. that came out for like second or third edition called the Apocalypse Stone, um, and it's it's billed as like the campaign to end your world, basically. <laughs> uh and it's gnarly i've watched reviews on it i've never actually read it myself but i've watched reviews on it and it just sounds insane hmm. yeah i i mean i've seen undead and kind of beginning of undead apocalypses in, in some being maybe not official but you know third-party products things like that but yeah the ones i'm familiar with aren't necessarily D related i mean there are plenty of zombie games out there you know right. the, the the forthcoming Walking Dead, notwithstanding, you, you know of course maybe the 
the the most infamous and not in a bad way because it's actually a good game is the all flesh must be eaten right that's that's a you, all things zombie they have a bunch of genre books from fantasy to martial arts to you, you name it and it, you can emulate all kinds of different zombies in there so Nice. I mean, that's maybe the king of the zombie games, I guess, as far Kung as Fu, the... Kung Fu zombie, like a 70s mm-hmm. Kung yeah, well, Fu zombie exploitation yeah. movie would be awesome. <laughs> right. And, and and you can do that with All Flesh Must Be Eaten. They have a, they have a source book just for that. Nice. Um, that would yeah. be fun. But yeah, so that it'd be set during winter, which is why it's mm-hmm. appropriate that we're talking about this now, since this is coming out in December. Right. You know, it would take place over time. Um and uh, yeah, man, I just I, I think it would be fun, uh, and I, I really want to do it one day. That would be very cool. What about you, sir, Jason? Um, of course, I always have different di- different things in the back of my head I want to run. Um, I'm finally getting to. By the time this episode c- comes out, hopefully, knock on wood, what we'll have the the first session of Palladium Fantasy game, y- y- you know, wrapped up. So that'll be good. So we're finally getting that to the table. Um, but the, I, I think now the is I've slowly gotten more in Palladium thanks to a couple different podcasts mm-hmm. that, that I've been listening to lately. Primarily the Glitter Boys and Real Play Games podcasts. But I would really like to run After the Bomb, I think. And After the Bomb is, so it's not Riffs. Um, I, I actually have I've got Savage Rifts. I've run single shots of that and whatnot. But but after the bomb is a anthropomorphic animal kind of thing where you're all playing, you, you know, mutated animals. It, it's a it was a spinoff of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Originally, it was a supplement for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. And then when they lost that license, they turned into its own game. But it's a it's a more it's not a a downtrodden apocalypse. You know, there, there's hope in it. Because you're, you know, the animals are rebuilding civilization. You have nations and all that, so it's not. I, I mean, you have bad guys. You have an evil empire humanity that's there that's trying to kill all the mutant animals and all that kind of thing. But that said, it's generally more of a brighter outlook on the apocalypse. You know, more of a fun kind of thing. And I think that would be nice, as opposed to a lot of these apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic games are just really downers. Yeah. And at some point, you know, you don't want to play in a real downer now. And I think that'd be my biggest barrier to a zombie. I would definitely play in a zombie game or, or like your, you know, the undead right. taking over the world game. But I, I think a straight up zombie game, like a Romero zombie game, like The Walking Dead, like it, it'd be interesting for a little while. But I think mm-hmm. it, it, it would depend, though, because, I mean, zombies in The Walking Dead are environmental hazard, right? They're not really the bad guys. They're right. they're, they're just something to deal with while you're dealing with the other humans. Yeah. But, and so I, I don't know, but I think the zombie thing's a little depressing eventually. So I, I that's why I kind of look don't look to that for my post apocalyptic kind of game. That's why I'd want to run in a fantasy world where there's some way to fight back against it, you know, like it's not a disease, it's like an evil lich raising a bunch of zombies. You kill that lich and there, you know, there go all the zombies. Mm-hmm. Well, like it's but, not as depressing, right? And, and and I guess that is a, a like I say a big plus four where I was talking about all flesh must be eaten because when you look at some of their source books out there, you, you know you have all tomorrow zombies, which is spaceship cyberpunk stuff. You have Atlas of the Walking Dead, 
where you, where you get all the different kinds like the Chinese hopping vampires and yeah. as mummies, you have dungeons and zombies, which is classic fantasy enter the zombie, which is the martial arts one I was talking about fistful of zombies where, you, where it's weird West um, pulp zombies, you, you know, are there be zombies, which is pirate zombie <laughs> smackdown. So you can have like wrestling. Metal combat or wrestling. So, I mean, once you throw in all that kind of crazy stuff, you know, you can definitely have fun with it, but yeah. if it's just the like, you know, night of the living dead. And you do that right. for two year a two year campaign, that I, I I'm not saying it couldn't be fun, but I think it would be a I don't know it it, um, it would take the right GM and the right group I think yeah what do you think BJ I think um yeah I, I think and this is just me I I can only handle grim dark and stuff like that in chunks mm-hmm. you know I don't I don't mind uh, playing it routinely but but it's like at some point we need to you know i want to play something silly i want to play something heroic i want to play i want to play something more there's a chance that the good guys can win kind of kind of thing um and so I, i'd be i'd be down for that you know for for a while and we'd, i'd want to do, do, try something else and maybe go back to it I, I think that's one of those things where maybe you have to do a little meta and say okay is this is this a true zombie apocalypse game where we're just going to see how long we can make it's like Cthulhu. We're going to see how long we can make it till everybody's dead, you know, uh, or out of the game. Or is this really a like a World War Z kind of situation where mm-hmm. there's a solution coming and it's where we're going to figure out, do we make it to the end to be part of the solution? And how do we how do we sort of figure out, uncover the secret of what's causing this? So how can we combat it? How can we contain it? Those kinds of things. So. Um, I think I think that may be kind of a session zero thing to say, well, what's everybody want out of a game like this? You know, are we are we gonna save the world or is this just sort of a dark humor, you know, we're all gonna be dead tomorrow kind of a thing? Save the cheerleaders, save the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely think you could have a lot of fun with, with doing it, but but I think there's pluses to doing what Joe's talking about and do it in the fantasy world. Because mm-hmm. it really you, you know, it opens up some hope or yeah, but you know, because you, you know, now you have Marvel zombies and DC has done their thing. Right. DC Comics of zombies, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, exactly the deceased, and yeah, it just gets to the point where it's eh, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I mean, no, go ahead. Vampires are coming back because everybody's getting tired of zombies. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. We, we were oversaturated with with vampires in the nineties. Then they switched to zombies, and now I think it's kind of run its course. But in, for as far as a game goes, if it's an interesting game, it doesn't matter what, whether it's part of the zeitgeist or not. It's mm-hmm. a good game with with good good players is always fun, no matter what. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, man. I, I was just talking about this on Twitter, actually, about how I think the zombie apocalypse is like the easiest apocalypse to survive. Um which is why it's funny that I want to run a game that starts with a zombie apocalypse as a survival horror game. Yeah, when it's when 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 it's not magical, yeah, you're like, well, okay, well, we'll change our burial customs. You, you cremate everybody, or at least behead them. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, totally. And you just <laughs> shoot all the zombies, or drop a friggin' bunker buster bomb on a whole horde of zombies, and they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about Romero zombies that are fast. Or not, not a, I guess those, I'm trying to those aren't. Really no, Romero zombies are slow. You're thinking of like 
28, 28 days later, days later. Or, yeah. yeah or or garden of the dead where they're the um from out of hide zombies you, you yeah. know those were fast zombies no, nobody's that, seen that that's where they can just they're more like ghouls you know yeah um but yeah it depends on the very the version of zombies of course of course fast zombies are the you, you know the popular thing now right uh, right in the horror movies oh I, I, I will I can't remember what this this pops up sometimes as a remember this on Facebook because I posted it was so funny. My son had to have been four. And I don't remember what we were talking about. And I didn't even realize that he knew what a zombie was. He, he was like, um <laughs> do zombies he asked something about their dead, did they have a heartbeat? And I'm like, no, their their heart wouldn't beat. And he goes, Well, what happens to all their blood? And I was like, Well, I guess it pull pulls down in their legs and feet because it can't be circulated. He says, Oh, well, I guess that's why they move so slow. <laughs> but I, I mean that so that's the problem with zombies too. It you know, I, I mean I guess 28 days later tries to address that because they're not really the undead, right? They're they have the rage virus or whatever. Right. But so you can go and and if you go with that, you can go with it. But I mean the tradi- like the Romero zombie or their you know, Fulci zombie, your your traditional zombie that's rising out from the ground. You you know your physics don't really apply to them, right? Per se. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, but yeah, I don't know. That's I I definitely think it, it could be a fun game. Um, I, I I don't think it's a a real world concern, but um, yeah, it's it, it could definitely be interesting. So the Apocalypse Stone is a two E campaign or two E. Yeah, it's two E, and um, it, it it is available either PDF or print on demand on Drive Through RPG. Yeah, it's gnarly, dude. It's totally gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is out there. So, so this show is going to come out in on December second. So okay. we're getting into Christmas. So I guess the other question would be: for Christmas, are there any? I'm sure there are. But but is there any one Christmas movie that you think everybody should see before Christmas, or do you have any gaming plans for Christmas? So I'll give you an out. One Christmas um, movie everybody should see. Huh. I mean, everybody has seen all of the Christmas movies. I bet everybody's seen Die Hard. Everybody's seen Gremlins. No, we have the Christmas movie Christmas that just dropped this week, which is the follow-up to the christmas movie where ralphie's an adult it's on hbo i haven't watched it yet yeah i talked to somebody that watched it that wasn't impressed with it but i have not seen yeah. it so I, i'm i'm sure i'll watch it um yeah there, it's there's on a HBO max yeah okay my yeah. roommate needs to see that yeah huh. there's uh a new there's plenty of christmas horror movies out there of course there's a new one coming out oh yeah there's that new Violent one night out. Yeah, yeah which is basically like die hard but instead of Bruce Willis, it's Santa Claus. Right. And David Harbour, who played the sheriff in Stranger Things, is the and, and he was Hellboy in the latest Hellboy in the last Hellboy movie is is Santa Claus in it. Okay. Um, so well, I, I, I don't I think that's gonna be a theater movie movie though. Yeah. Yeah. You're so. the movie buff, Jason. What do you what do you suggest? Well, it, it just really depends on people's tastes, right? Yeah. Um, the, so the problem is my tastes probably aren't going to gel as <laughs> well as everybody else's taste. But but um, what, what I 
I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, so Rare Exports. Have either of you seen that? No. So Rare Exports Christmas Tales, an interesting little movie. And, and so this comes out in Nor- Finland or Norway. I, I forget what, it, which um, I, I think it's, um, well, it's distrib- it, it lists Finland and Norway both as distributors here. Um, so, so I'm not, oh, Finnish fantasy, horror, action horror film. But I, I mean, it's not a horror film like a, you know, scary film. But Rare Exports is a, is a neat little Finnish film where Santa Claus turns out to be, well, I, I don't want to spoil exactly what it is, but but check out Rare Exports. Rare Exports is interesting. Um, it's, a, it, it's a kid's adventure film. You're kind of following the, the point of view from a kid. Okay. Which, you know, isn't everybody's cup of tea, but but it's pretty good. It's, it's actually a, a pretty fun little film. Where can one find such a film? That is a good question. Let's see if the internet can tell me. Is it on any of the streaming? While while Jason looks for yeah. that, BJ, what about you? Do you have any favorite Christmas movies or anything? Um, favorite Christmas movie? Christmas? I don't know. We kind of have a list that we have to watch every Christmas. Yeah, in my house, but it, it involves having a kid. So, uh, Nightmare Before we always have to watch Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Uh, we always have to watch Elf. Nice. And then um, the Muppets, you know, if nothing else, watch the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, got the classic Muppet sight gags and humor. That's and, a really, that's, and, that's a really good one. Yeah. I love the fact the that best. in that one, Michael Caine does not, he plays Scrooge to the hilt without acting as though he's in a Muppet movie. He just. <laughs> yeah. He's just acting his ass off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Gremlins, Gremlins is a good mm-hmm. Christmas and uh, Scrooge with Bill Murray is a really yeah. good. Yeah, they're redoing that effectively with this new movie with uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. It's going to be on Apple TV. Okay. Yeah, I forget what that's called, but the, but that's out this mm-hmm. year. Um, lethal, the first Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. Did you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it is a Christmas. I guess if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, First Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. Well, I mean, there there are a lot. I mean, so is um, Cobra. Cobra's Christmas movie, but by that criteria, it happens during Christmas yeah. as well. But, Ooh, with Sly Stallone. Yeah. Ooh, I'll have to add that to my Christmas list. Uh, Jason, you probably mm-hmm. know this. I don't know if you know, uh, Joe, but Cobra. So, so from what I understand. They offered the part. Beverly Hills Cop was originally offered mm-hmm. to Sylvester Stallone. He's like, I'm not going. This is this this idea of an action comedy was still not really a thing yet, right? And he was like, I'm not going to do this. This is too silly. And he passed on it, and then it launched Eddie Murphy into the stratosphere. Yeah, I can't see Sly so, pulling off. It's, it's, and so Cobra was his effort to uh, to to rework that same premise, <laughs> and it turned into Cobra. Which isn't a comedy, but no. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh Jason, did you find where to find that movie? So, yeah, so Rare Exports is available on a number of channels. It's on Amazon Prime here in the US. Ooh, of course, okay. I can't speak to other countries. You can see it on Pluto TV. You can see it on Tubi. You can see it on there. Yeah, it's it's on a number of channels. Nice. Um, so is it yeah. dubbed or subtitled? It um the version I watched. But I haven't seen it for a few years. The version I watched was dubbed, but I Sweet. think I think they have you can get it. You can also watch it with just 
with the original finish with subtitles. I maybe not on Amazon, but but it's out there, you know, nice. with the original uh, language as well. Yeah, but I mean, it is uh, that out. Yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty fun flick. It, it's it's a little bit different. Um, so of course there there are you know tons and tons of great Christmas horror movies, but we don't we we don't need to go down that road. Yeah, that, that road um, today. But I I appreciate you guys coming along. Do you have you have anything to plug before we we get off today? No, I don't. Okay, BJ, no. anything you want to plug? Nothing, nothing in particular. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There you um, go. It's there been a few weeks just... since I did an episode. I, I, I got an idea for one. Maybe I'll get it out this week. There, you there go. we go. So so go go listen to the episode that that of Arcane Aliens that came out before this show comes out. Yeah, hopefully. Go um, check that out. That'll be good. Yeah. So that that should already be there in your podcast feeds, folks. Um, okay. Well, I I think we'll wrap this one up today. This is just a little bonus episode. We, we try to give you guys something every week. You know, we might not have a big episode every week, but we try to do something. We will be back next week. If you have any thoughts on what we've talked about today, if you have any dream campaigns you want to run, or if there are any Christmas movies you feel that everyone must see, lost Christmas classics that people aren't aware of, you know, you can reach out to us. We have a go to the show notes. There's all the ways to reach out. You can go to the anchor web page and leave a message there. You can go to our SpeakPipe account. You can send an email. You can go to the YouTube video and leave a comment in the comment section of the YouTube video. So there's lots of ways to leave us a message and we'll happily play it and respond to it. So I think with that, I'm going to say adieu. Everybody take care and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Later. Yeah.